Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. To a Celtic state of mind, I'm Paul John Dykes, and today we've got a full house. It's James McKenzie, who is streaming from the Axon Bar, as yet dry. Lawrence Conley streaming through the kitchen, and uh, Liam Carrigan streaming from Japan. We're uh, international, we're continental. Lawrence Conley, tell me a wee bit about that jersey, son. Well, I, I was lucky enough to, to go up to James McRory Park for the week, myself and Kevin Tate from the penalty spot. Many Celtic fans have been down to the spot. We, we sponsored a, a match up there. I believe uh, St. Rocks are, are often looking for match sponsors. 75 quid gets you into hosp- two people into hospitality. Match sponsor. Did you, you get your money's man. worth? Did you get uh, your money's worth in the hospitality more, ones? More than, more than my money's worth, mate. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, I think we sponsored a match before the season's out. And Brilliant. We must have been a good luck charm. It was a, a 3-1-1 for the, the glorious St. Rocks when we were there. Superb. Tell us a wee bit about St. Rocks for anybody tuning in, Lawrence, who don't know some of the historical links to our own football club. Well, 1920s, based in the Garngad, eh, pro- probably one of the few remaining community clubs. Obviously, the, the park's named after James Edward McGrory. Eh, I'm mm-hmm. sure we're all aware of him. Probably a statue long overdue, but the greatest goal scorer ever eh, in British football. I think without a doubt, the man that eh, when you when the Celtic board tried to sell him to Arsenal, mm. refused because uh, Jimmy McGrory of the Arsenal didn't sound as good as Jimmy McGrory of the Celtic. And it, for his reward, the board cut his pay. Yeah. You know, you're talking about statues. Uh, the Gan Gad, does that mean God's Garden? Am I right? Can yeah, someone in the comments confirm? 
Does that mean yeah, God's garden? There you go. I'm not checking that on Google at all. I'm just doing my social posts as I talk to you there, Lawrence. But we're talking about statues, and obviously every Monday morning I'm up at Celtic Park doing the wander around paradise, and you get a real sense of, um, you know, the footprint of Celtic Park, not just the stadium, not just the Celtic Way, but uh, right round the stadium and everything that's going on or otherwise um, around the, the park, paradise as we call it. And a big part of that, of course, is statues. We often start our wee wander at the statue of uh, Bill McNeil. You've mentioned Jimmy McGrory there, and I'm sure there are other players who some of the viewers think are deserving of that lasting tribute. John Thompson, for me, would be up there uh, due to, obviously, the circumstances surrounding his sad passing. To Billy McNeil, there was only one Lisbon line that Jimmy McGrory didn't sign for Celtic. So, you know, he could spot a player. And obviously, one of the last players he signed was George Conley. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. McGrory, as they call him. Uh, all yep. the players that played under him and signed for him, Mr. McGrory. Yeah, but obviously you do get a good sense of that. And there's there's loads of scope up at that stadium to do so much more round about it. Um, hotels, museums, who knows what might happen in the future, but it's always um, a good wander around paradise to get the week kicked off. We are talking about Brendan Rodgers version two. We've seen um, a full competitive match. We've seen Celtic in action. James McKenzie, I'm going to come to you first because we're talking about some of the changes Rodgers will make and has made to keep Celtic ahead of the pack. What did you make of the game overall? Uh, I thought it was a solid enough performance. I thought there was a bit of paranoia over the fact that we conceded two goals. But when you look at the football we were playing under Ange, it was a very specific style of football. When you've got Brendan Rodgers coming in, trying to change things up a little bit, you'd expect in the first game of the season, there's bound to be a couple of mistakes. It's not going to be a picture-perfect performance straight away with our squad trying to adjust to a different style of play. So, um, so two mistakes leading to two goals, it didn't really phase me too much because it's, it's just early stages. If you think about, if these the same mistakes are still happening in about a month's time, then the question marks can start to be raised. But I was impressed with the performance for the most part. Um, when we were doing our team predictions after the Bilbao game, I didn't think David Turnbull was going to start, but he did start and he thought he played phenomenal. He was... I think I've seen the the voting. He's like one of the best, one of the best players of the week in the SPFL, and he's got to keep his place for Petodre. There's no doubt about that. And I think the fact that Real Hitate was dropped for David Turnbull is a real statement for Brendan Rodgers. I mentioned in the post match after Bilbao that he was going to do something. He was going to make a statement to put the stamp on it and say, "This is my team. This is a new era, and this is what I'm going to do with the team." I had a feeling it would maybe be Burnaby coming in for Taylor, but we didn't see that. And it was David Turnbull, who mm-hmm. a couple of people on Axel Madeir marked as a player who could see a new lease of life under Brendan Rodgers. And if he's going to play like he did at the weekend every single week, then he could do just that. It'll be interesting to see what he does in Europe as well. I think the midfield three, it'll be interesting to see which team lines up for the first Champions League game. Because that'll probably be, if the team's fully fit, and that's the closest indicator you'll get to where Brendan Rodgers' head is at. I think he's still figuring things out. There was a couple of tweaks with some of the substitutions and things like that, but I thought it was a solid enough performance. I wouldn't overreact. I wouldn't get too over the top about conceding two goals, albeit to one of the poorer teams in the league. But I thought it was a good enough performance. Yeah, you know this though, you're talking there about um, the the statement and Liam, when I looked at that team line as it came out about an hour before kickoff, I thought it was bold and just like James said there, here's a, a man coming in, he's inheriting a treble winning side, yet 
he's going to put his own stamp on it. And, and you know, when, when you look at what Turnbull did, if he was putting in performances like that at his age, at any other club in Scotland, maybe other than the Ibrox one, we'd be interested in signing him with him. It was that good, his performance. Yeah, and I, I really like the fact that he had the confidence to step up and take the penalty. Um, I think that, you know, for a player like Turnbull, it's... You know, it's about skill, but it's also about having the mental strength to, to fight your way into a team that has just won a treble largely mm-hmm. without you. Um, and for him to have the character on the first game of the season, step up and score a penalty and then, you know, set up the second goal with that brilliant header. And then, you know, just he, he was he was a standout. Um, you know, I, I joked I joked with my dad during the game. I said, you know, Turnbull's a standout for man of the match, but the sponsors will probably want to meet somebody else, so probably not get it. <laughs> but sure enough, he did. So, yeah, I thought it was a superb, superb all-round display. And uh, Rio Hatati balls in his court now. If he does want to stay at Celtic, he's going to have to step his game up. Yeah, well, you know this, we'll talk about that predicament. Uh, or is it even a predicament? Is it a dilemma? Was it a statement? Lawrence, I'm going to come to yourself because I think that David Turnbull was there on merit, uh, absolutely, when you look at the two or three performances leading into this particular game. And on the Friday when we're doing the predicted 11s, everybody's got their opinions. And it was Jungle Lion, actually, who's in the comment section today, who says to me that the only reason that Hatati would play would be based on previous performances. And as I say, I absolutely agree with that. But he was bold. He did pick David Turnbull. Turnbull repaid his faith in him. Do you see it as more of a long-term, and by long-term, I mean this season, uh, option to be playing David Turnbull? Where does it leave Hitati? How does Hitati react to this? Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure that, uh, what he judge Turnbull over that 90 minutes, whether he's going to be the, the long-term guy. Listen, we're 3-0 up at half-time. I think it was the worst 3-0 lead I've ever seen. Part of that's, you know, Ross County played in the, the League Cup. You know, the mark sharpness was there. They were right on top of us. And you can see that throughout, you know, Throughout the league, teams that played in the League Cup were right up to speed, you know, maybe performed better than you'd expected. Turnbull still looked a bit slow. I think Hatati brought a lot of energy when he came, when he came on. But for now, you know, it'd be hard for Brendan to drop him for the next game. You know, he's got a couple of goals, decent showing. You, you know, if that's not enough to keep the jersey, what would be? You know, but it's early days. All marks just now is clicking the three points. You know, there's no kind of play of the years or awarded now or leagues won at this time of the year. But yeah, I, I think it keeps his place there. You know, and Brendan seems to have a bit of faith in him. I think Matt Riley's comments about he's too good to be out of the team, another wee mm. dig at Ange, will help us in the, the league trend as well in respect to Europe. So, you know. If Brendan can come in and develop him, because I think Turnbull still does look a bit slow when you look at look, look at one apart. Can he do it against a higher level opposition? Can he do it in Europe? Remains to be seen. Well, we've already asked you about your jersey, Lawrence, but anyone tuning in who's listened to Axom since uh, you started contributing 
contributing. We'll not be surprised at your colour scheme within your kitchen. I'm pretty sure uh, that if any, if we did a poll last week, uh, green and white would definitely have come out, Lawrence. So good on you there. Now we're talking about it being an opener, James, and there was a wee bit of apprehension around the reception that Brendan Rodgers might have got. And I know we had a home game the previous Tuesday for the James A. Forrest testimonial, but this was the, the real deal. This was the opening game, uh, flag day, uh, Green Brigade back in the stadium as a group, etc. There's going to be TIFOs. You never know what they are until they're unfurled. Uh, but how refreshing was it that the reception was good? There was no protest. There was none of that kind of stuff. And it feels as though that uh, we've all kind of got over the disappointment of Brendan uh, leaving, the reasons and the way that he did it, um, and obviously the apprehension around how he was going to be received back. Yeah, I thought it was a sort of respectful enough so welcome back for me. The real welcome back was the Bilbao game. I think the people that were there, I just want to go back to um, what I said on the the match coverage. I kind of jumped the gun a bit. I didn't know the Green Brigade don't do testimonials, apparently. I'm not, not too sure why not. But um, So I, I don't think it was really a statement from them. But the worries were still there. You thought that they, they'd maintained their stance, that something might have been said. But it was right behind the team from everybody. And you saw the reception from the crowd that Rogers got at Bilbao. is a raucous reception for Brendan Rogers. I was there when he had his press conference on behalf of a Celtic state of mind. And you could see the crowds of people that had lined up that were there waiting to see him. Not, not quite the amount of people that were in the stadium the first time round, but they were still there to welcome him back. And if there was any doubters, um, I'm sure the, the, the doubts will be silenced pretty soon when he has us winning. Yeah, I think success, winning um, and winning with style, Liam will allow everybody to get kind of uh, into the, the same kind of state of mind that, that James is in there because what we've appointed here is a quality, a top quality manager. And I think that making the bold assessment and a quick assessment of the squad and then starting to make the decisions is uh, one sign that Brendan Rodgers means business. I mean, he could have easily have just gone in and slowly but surely tinkered with the team until he got it looking the way he wants it. What other differences, what other changes did you notice away from the personnel? What about style, shape? Well, there was definitely a slower, more methodical build-up. Um, we were happy to retain the ball out, you know, maybe 40, 50 yards out, whereas under Ange, it would have been get forward, attack, 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 which, you know, at times was probably better to watch. But I think particularly once we get into Europe, we may well find that the, the Rogers approach is a bit more effective. Um, especially when, you know, you're bringing in a, a new centre-back pairing. You want to, um, well, it's, it's a new partnership. One of them's a new player, but it's a new partnership. So you want to kind of ease him into the, the setup. And I think that playing the ball out from the back a bit more slowly was definitely suited to, to Navrocki coming into the team. Um and, you know, as we said, Turnbull's a bit slower as well, so having the, the slightly slower pace in midfield suited him as well. Um, and, you know, let the ball do the work. I think it was Jock Steen that said the ball was made round to go round. So uh, that's what we do. We move the ball around, and we don't necessarily have to run around like headless chickens to do it. Um, not that we were doing that last season. I just think that there's different ways to approach it, and clearly Rogers' approach is much slower and more methodical than Ange's and time will tell which one gets us the bigger victories but at the end of the day you know I'm going to say something controversial here but it's true 
You could put Graham Souness in charge of Celtic, and if we won a treble, it would be forgotten who he was within 10 minutes, right? <laughs> as long as the team are winning, anybody could manage Celtic. So you you pushed push that envelope. Pass, but I don't really care. Because <laughs> we're going to titles under him, that's quite obvious. Incidentally, Graham Souness uh, did come to training at Celtic on a Tuesday and Thursday alongside mm. many of the other Quality Street kids. And he's remembered by the likes of Danny McGrain and Kenny Dalgleish as being one of the guys who would turn up on a Tuesday and a Thursday. Uh, whether or not he would be accepted, Liam, I'm not too sure. Let us know in the comments. That is, who, who yes, it is controversial. Who gave Graham Souness a lift to training? Did he not get the bus? No. Jim you Craig. tell me then. Jim, Jim Craig. Craig, did he? Yep. Yeah, he remembers him as soon as he left the training. And Sunnis remembers it. Jim Craig says Sunnis always treats him really well. And did Sunnis have a moustache at the age of 14? Probably not, mate. Much bigger nose, but probably not a moustache. <laughs> yes. Uh, absolutely. Anyway, why the hell are we talking about Graham Sunnis? Liam Carrigan on a, on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> Stephen Sloan. Um, let's get some of your comments in. Stephen says, I have to stop thinking we're going to buy a 27-year-old quality player for $6 million. Not happening. We buy 22-year-old prospects for 23. Just hope our plan keeps working. Um, yes, I think that there was a real expectancy maybe for Celtic to go out with the, the finance behind us um, and then bringing in extra cash, extra revenue with Jota's sale to maybe go out and buy three or four players of that ilk. It doesn't look as though it's happening, although I think if uh, something, an opportunity is presented to us, then and it's going to cost us seven or eight million quid, I still think it's something we would be um, in the running for. Jungle Line, you're back. Is there a chasing pack? I want to talk about that because we've heard a lot from the so-called chasing pack. We've heard a lot of noise coming from the other camps um, and Celtic have quite quietly got on about their business, even though we've just won a treble. And I think that's so important because one of the teams you would expect to be in the top three or four would be Aberdeen and we're going to be facing them at the weekend. So we'll definitely be discussing that as well. And on the back of that as well, depending on Hatati's attitude in training this week, I wouldn't be surprised if he was back in on Sunday, Lawrence disagrees. Lawrence thinks that David Turnbull is going to retain the jersey. What do you think? Let us know in the comments section. Ian McAleer thinks that Hatati's on his way. He's for the off, says Ian. Um, I think that it was unexpected, Lawrence, that Jota left this pre-season. I think that's been kind of put out there, isn't it, from the likes of Fabrizio Romano. Celtic didn't expect a £25 million bid for Jota. Um, and then Starfelt's the circumstances around Starfelt, maybe we should have seen it coming, Lawrence, when your favourite player from last season, Jacinta, left the building. Maybe we should have seen this coming. But that was quite unexpected as well, I think. Don't, and, then, and then, of course, Aaron Moy. We knew that he was struggling with his fitness. Did we expect him to retire? So I reckon the three players we've probably lost weren't the ones we were expecting. You know, I, I was thinking more Abada and, and Hitati. I didn't want to lose them. But I thought those were the two players, Lawrence, that we might have uh, struggled to keep a hold of. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. 
So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. It just uh, Jacinta Prima de Nieva, Galavadarichichi, wasn't my favourite player from last year. That, of course, uh, was Love Ferguson. But, yeah, you know, Starfield, we kind of talked about it towards the end of last season. One, I think, on the Tuesdays, we're saying that's one guy we should be worried about losing. What's coming yeah. in? You know, the ages are, if there's a bid for him, what I'm surprised is that the money's so low for him. It's really low. Yeah, it looks like Brendan's turned a bad around. It looked like he was going the door. It's 25 million. I think we'd take that for almost anyone in our team, to be honest. Uh, just about anyone, if, if, we, if we get that offer in, we'd start chatting to, to, to the bidder. A wee change at, at the weekend was how Kyogo was playing. I think you can see Brendan's influence straight away, dropping a lot deeper, linking up. You know, I think it was his sixth touch before he got a goal. He was a lot more involved with the build-up playing with the rest of the team. I think you know Brendan's a guy to develop into a better player. But yeah, players we didn't see leaving. Moy, when he came in, you know, he came in as a squad player. He proved really decent for us, but you know, it's, it's sad it's retired, wasn't it? Yeah. But Starfield moving on, it looks like the Rockies are a decent replacement from what we've seen so far. And obviously the link with another couple of centre-halves to come in. Yeah, we are. Now, I'm going to take your point. Uh, you're surprised at the fee that's been quoted. I mean, what we've seen, Lawrence, around £5 million something like that, that we're, we're talking uh, for Carol yeah. Starfelt. That's what Celta Vigo are going to be paying. Now, I'm going to say to you, James, are you surprised? Because remember, Starfelt was in that same kind of time frame as Yakimakis Juranovic. Are you surprised at the, the fee that we're getting for him? Well, I was, uh, you mentioned Juranovic. I was really surprised at that fee, considering I think it was the entirety of the World Cup, the reported fee was all oh, it's going to be 15 to 20 million. We're going to get all this money from him. And I think the rumoured fee for Starfield initially was about eight to nine million, which I would have thought was a respectable fee. If I was f- somehow in charge of the Celtic transfers, that's what I'd be looking for for a Carl Starfield. But it seems like you've been shortcut. I don't think Celtic Vigo really paid big money for players anyway. I don't think all the teams in Spain outside, so the top few do. But if you're getting that fee for Starfield, you'd probably better keeping him but it's the player that wants to leave Brendan Rodgers that's what he emphasised in his post-match um, interview and his post-match press conference as well he emphasised the fact that Starfield had his reasons he wanted to go to one of the top five leagues which at the stage he is in his career where he's perhaps one of the last opportunities he could have for a big move then it looks like he wants to take it and he seemed, he wants, he'll be closer just into as well so fair enough to him for wanting to leave there was a couple of players that we thought were at a crossroads um, this season as you mentioned and a bad I had even thought as much as my favourite player I thought Kyogo would have been at a crossroads where he'd have been looking at this as the last opportunity to get a big move but we didn't expect Starfield I think I don't know if it's because we didn't think he had the quality to move on to a bigger team or is it just we thought he was secure and happy at the club I'm not too sure what the reasoning was but I I thought a bad would maybe leave as well, but I think mm. it, there was a, a report last month. I can't remember who reported it, but it was that Brendan Rodgers had had a really deep, in-depth conversation with him that convinced him to stay at the club. So if Brendan Rodgers has given him the talk, then 
I've read I've already thought of Adel being for big things if he stuck around under Brendan Rogers, but the fact that Rogers is sort of sat down himself to emphasise it, then I think he's gonna be in for a big season. Yeah, you know this though, right? I'm I'm gonna go back, Liam, to, to some of the comments that were being made about Celtic being weaker. And I think Lawrence Conley made a really good point last Tuesday, which is why I nicked it when I was asked the same question a couple of days later. And what Lawrence was saying is that the squad is stronger, but the start of loving is weaker. And I understand, I totally understand what, where Lawrence was coming from with that. And in relation to my argument, um, Brendan Rodgers and what he can do with a player, you know, like like James says, he can sit a badder down and, and explain to a badder that, right, I know what your ambitions are, I'm going to help you get the ambitions, but it's not going to be this preseason. You're going to have to give me the season of your life here, and then we'll get you your big move. And he plays the mind games, and it's man management, and uh, in many ways, micromanagement as well. Uh, in that respect. And I think that when we're talking about Celtic being weaker or stronger, what you're not taking into account is the fact that three or four players in that team could actually go up a level or two because of Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, and, you know, I think I think Lawrence's point was very valid. Um, uh, but what I would say is, let's revisit that again in a month's time. Um, we have not finished signing players yet. That much is obvious. Um the players that have come in have not really bedded in yet. Um, we've yet to see what any of our uh, our new Korean guys can do. Um, you know, there's a lot still to, to happen. I think the real acid test is going to be that, that Rangers game on September 3rd. Um, we give them a good scalping and hopefully by that point put ourselves at least six points clear. Um, then I think any worries about the squad being weaker will be very quickly put to bed. Um, Absolutely. Listen, oh yeah. uh, I'm taking this opportunity, Liam, uh, for a couple of things. The first thing is uh, there is a little fan going on because you are sitting in very, very hot conditions at the moment, right? So I yes, just I apologise for the background noise, everybody, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm sweating like a Rangers manager at a post-match interview at the moment, so uh, yeah. Exactly. So when when you're not doing your thing, we're going to mute it. But that that is just to explain that. But also, there is a, a boxing kangaroo in the top right hand corner of the screen. Liam, tell us a wee bit about Celtic Down Under and what you guys are up to uh, over your your content and on your YouTube channel. Yeah. So Celtic Down Under was uh, was started a well a good few years ago now by my friend Jared, who um, is based down in uh, Melbourne. And it's a, it's a collaboration between several um, Australia-based Celtic fans and myself in Japan. Uh, at the moment, we're doing two or three shows a week, depending on the schedule. And uh, yeah, we uh, we talk all things Celtic, but with that kind of unique perspective that comes from all being fans who don't get to go to the game every week. Um, you know, being away from, not just away from Celtic Park, but away from the sort of media and the kind of spin that that media puts on things, <laughs> I think gives our our podcast a, a different perspective that I think would be interesting, not just to fans based in the Asia Pacific region, but also I think people back in Scotland who want to hear an outside take on what they've seen when it hasn't been put through the BBC filter, if you know what I mean. <laughs> 
Yeah, so tune in. Find you guys on the socials and also on your YouTube channel. And um, this leads us then, if Starfelt's leaving and it was confirmed after the game that he is Lawrence by Brennan Rogers. this leads us on to a player who I wasn't viewing as Starfelt's replacement. I was viewing Novroski as being a guy that's coming in to bolster that challenge for the, the second jersey, if you like. You know, barring uh, a complete unexpected loss of form, for Cameron Carter-Vickers, it's all about who plays alongside them. And I think that, you know, if you've got that competition for jerseys, that's great. We bring in Novroski, you think you've got it. Starfield was going to leave. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about that scenario. Firstly, how impressed were you with the, the new man's debut? And then secondly, you know, and it's already been confirmed by Brennan Rogers, we will need to replace Starfield further. We need to bring in another centre-half. And the potential arrival that we're reading about is Gustav Ligerbilk. Not sure if the pronunciation's right. James McKenzie will be able to tell me otherwise. First two minutes of the show, I quickly Googled it. Apparently, it's Lagerbilk. All right, that probably works better then. Lagerbilk, three million quid, 23-year-old Swedish internationalist from Elfsborg. So what do you make of the debut and also the fact we need to strengthen again in that position, Lawrence? Decent debut. Listen, look good in the testimonial as well. Brings a wee bit more height to the defence, or to the team as a whole as well, you know what I think. Carter Vickers and Starfell both six foot. Taylor, well, it's five seven or something, and uh, I think AJ looks about five nine, five ten. So yeah, a wee bit more height coming in. Looks comfortable playing the ball out. Looks as if he'd super ended style of football. We we definitely need a centre half in anyway. You know, I think Welsh needs to move the benefits career. Kobe Yashi probably the jury's still out on. He can maybe benefit from a loan if we get get someone else in. Yeah. Again, we're going for uh, a taller player. You know, some of the, the next point coming in six three, six four. Swedish internationalists, one cap. The stats guy says really good. I haven't even watched the guy's YouTube yet, so I'm not too sure, mate. But you know, it's definitely uh, an area we need. We need stuff. I was talking to Jim Orr at uh, the Roy Aiken, and you're looking at right back and going, "Well, Tony takes a few games to get up to speed. We know that. How long is AJ out for? Over at left back, Bernabe the jury's, you know." It's really out on, isn't it? You know, who's given Taylor fight for his jersey? I think we've just decided scales as a decent footballer, he's just not what we're looking for at Celtic. You know, if Aberdeen had the money and be off, so it's no surprise that Brendan's sorting that out. Yeah, so yeah, delighted to see his link with another centre half. Hopefully, he'll be sending someone to give Joe Hart some competition and goals as well. Because I think, you know, <coughs> when we're looking at Ben and Segrist, we're thinking, would you be confident going through? Part that's injured can through five or six games without being all secrets in there. No, absolutely not, Lawrence. But you know, when you're looking at the centre half and some of the guys you've mentioned there, I'm going to come to you, James, on this one. I think that Stephen Welsh has almost been the odd man out over a number of different transfer windows. It started off with the fact that we didn't know when Julian was coming back. So, you know, we were getting offers and there was interest in, in Stephen Welsh at that time. Great offers for the boy at that age. You know, go away, learn a different language, a new culture, play your football elsewhere. Look at some of the examples of players who have done that. You know, Jack Kendry goes to Belgium and becomes a completely different beast. Uh, and then the, the players that have gone to Italy. So I think that, you know, there'd be a frustration in Stephen Welsh's mind in that we ended up keeping him because we didn't know what was happening with the injury and the recuperation of uh, Julian. We kept him at least one transfer window due to that 
that particular issue. Um, that kind of went into the next transfer window under Ange Postacoglu. We've brought in uh, Maritz Jens on a short-term deal. We're not quite sure what's happening. And I just think that Welsh has been in limbo. But going into this pre-season, I was pretty confident he would be one of the players that, you know what, surplus the requirements, go and make a career for yourself elsewhere. But due to the fact that Starfelt's unexpectedly leaving, I don't know how expectedly it was in and around Celtic Park, certainly I didn't expect it. Um, where does it leave somebody like Stephen Welsh? Do we have to retain a, a player like that due to the homegrown rules, due to the fact that you know we're going to be a wee bit short if Liam Scales goes to Aberdeen on loan, if Kobayashi goes back to Japan on loan? I'm going to ask Liam a wee, a wee bit more about that in a second. Welsh could be the guy that we end up keeping. And I don't know if it's for the betterment of his career, just because we need the numbers. Yeah, there's never been in doubt for me that he's got a lot of potential. There's a player that could be there, but I think you're you're talking about sort of previous seasons where Welsh could have a chance, had chances. I wasn't as big on Moritz Jens as some other fans were. I think that period around the Champions League time where Carl Starfelt was out injured, that could have been the time. That could have been the chance to give Stephen Welsh the game time, but. He didn't. He, he got little to no game time under Ange, really, which it was surprising at that opening point of the season because he'd scored and it wasn't just the goal. He'd had a really good game in that on yeah. flag day against Aberdeen as well. He thought he was he the best player in the park, I'm pretty sure, that day. And I don't think he started the next fixture. I think he got dropped to the next fixture. It was really surprising, but I think a lone move would be best for Celtic because we know that the potential could be there so you don't really want to lose them and someone else realises that potential and they get the money from him in the end but the fact that we're signing a new centre back probably shows where Brendan Rodgers values him and the club if Celtic are looking to get Welsh off the books I'd hope it was a lone move but I think Welsh as much as he is a boyhood Celtic fan and all the rest of it I think he for the betterment of his career would be pushing for a move away but it'll be interesting to see with this new guy coming in, Lagerbilk, uh, where he will be in the pecking order. Will mm-hmm. he be signed to part of Cameron Carter-Vickers? Because the dynamic of Carter-Vickers and Starfelt was um, Carter-Vickers would be sort of the tough tackler, whereas Starfelt was the aerial threat. He's a guy that would clear away the high balls. So it seems like Lagerbilk coming in as a much taller centre-back. I'm not too sure Mike Navrosky's height, but... That, that could be a really similar dynamic to what Carter Vickers and Starfelt were. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was to come in and be a starter. It'll be interesting to see what Rodgers thinks to the two, just across the defence in general. This could be a bit of a controversial take, but if Taylor doesn't play well against Aberdeen on Sunday, I think Alexandro Bernabe could be in for a start in the next game. I think Ross County's second goal... It's Taylor's fault. I know it takes a wicked deflection, but he gets absolutely done off of the Ross County attacker that I'd sort of contemplated putting Bernabe in my predicted 11 for the game anyway. But I think Brendan Rodgers, he could be really thinking about things. But on the other hand, I don't think Bernabe was on the bench. So no. we all thought he'd performed decent enough in pre-season to the point where he could have perhaps warranted some sort of a, a start potentially in the first game of the season. But the fact that it wasn't in the squad, I think it says, oh, it seems like Rodgers might be doing a bit of a clear out of some of these fringe players. I saw a rumour that Hax Barovic could be on the way out. So it seems like Brendan Rodgers... 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. His squad assessment is really getting underway now. He's really starting to weed out who's part of his plans and who isn't. And I think the rest of the transfer will be really interesting to watch, see who sort of stays, who goes. No, you're right, because Bernabe and Haxabanovic dropped completely out of the, the match day squad. And I've not heard anything about injuries. What I have heard is similar to James. You know, agents getting told, Liam, that go and find your player at a club in the, in the case of Haxabanovic. Bernabe just disappeared uh, off the radar, kind of leaving us in a situation where we didn't have that replacement left back. But <clears throat> Hatati can play left back, but we'll come back to that. I want to talk about Kobayashi with you, Liam, because he's a player you know really well. Brendan Rodgers has spoken about having four centre-halves. He wants to run with four. And obviously, Starfelt's leaving the building. We're bringing in um, Lagerbjelk, and we've just brought in Novrovsky, and we've got Cameron Carter-Vickers. Then you've got the others, and it's guys like Scales, Welsh, Kobayashi, and Lawal. And I don't think any of those four are going to be that fourth pick uh, under Brendan Rodgers. Where do we stand with Kobayashi? Has there been any news in Japan about a potential loan move back? No, uh, the, the, there's not been anything about him coming back to the J-League. And I'll just say right from the off, if he does go on loan, it won't be to the J-League. Because the reason we loaned uh, Idaguchi back to the J-League is, with the greatest of respect, that guy's not going to cut it at Celtic. And that, that was, I think, pretty much decided. And loaning him back with a view to that club possibly signing him a year down the line, was a kind of diplomatic way and to say, help save a bit of face for him personally. But, you know, he's he's back in Japan now because he didn't make the grade at Celtic. Kobayashi still could make the grade at Celtic. So I think if he does go on loan, it will be to a team within Europe. Um, because, one, you want to encourage him to continue to learn English. Um and two, you want to encourage him to bulk up physically. Um, mm-hmm. well, not necessarily bulk up, but become physically harder and tougher to, you know, against defenders that are, against attackers that are going to try and rough him up. I mean, the, the Hearts game towards the end of last season, you saw that there. They quite deliberately targeted Kobayashi because they thought he was lightweight. Um, so I think that that's the part of his game he needs to work on if he's going to cut it at Celtic. And going somewhere like, for example, a team maybe in the English Championship or league, even League One might be might be a good a good level for that. Um, I don't see him going back to Japan because going back to Japan is in essence accepting defeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, he's a player that you know. I think we had our uh, all our ducks in a row here. I think we have tried to bring in the goalie, the left back, the centre half, the left winger. You know, and it's no work because you've you've got Segrist, Kobayashi, Bernabe, and Haksabanovic. So these i these these areas have been identified, but the players just haven't stepped up to the mark, unfortunately. Um, and that does take us on to a, a player who's been mentioned already by James, and that's Greg Taylor. Yes, when you can see the goal, you instantly start looking at 
who was responsible for that? And not just the final act, but, you know, three moves before it. Who could have cut that out? Who could have stopped the cross? And I think that Taylor, not only did he play him on side, by the way, James, but you're right, you know, he was far too easily beaten. We've seen him kind of getting turned inside out. It's almost as if, you know, he's too easily turned like that um, when facing a challenge. And he's a player that has been much championed by yourself, Lawrence. You're a big fan of Greg Taylor. Bernabe, of course, drops completely out of the squad. Um, And I'm just of the view that if we're going to be buying in a player, um, look at the position and bring in someone of the ilk of Johnston. So when Johnston comes into the team, We've already got Ralston and, and Juranovic. There was loads of speculation around Juranovic's future at that stage. But you bring in a player who's going to be pushing for the jersey. And I think that was the same with Novroski. And if we're going to be bringing in a left-back, you've got to be challenging Greg Taylor. Is it just the case of the fact that we've changed the shape? He's not going to be getting as much of that inverted freedom that he got before. He's going to be much more relied upon to, to do the defensive Work and that might not be suited to the attributes that he that he offers, Lawrence. Or are we looking too much into this? He's our number one, and you know, as the season progresses, the performances will improve. Listen, I think it's probably lack, lack a wee bit of match sharpness. Charity had more of that than us. It's definitely lacking a challenge for his position. You know, the, the position says you can be out. Benefits not going to take the jersey off him. Uh, it's left back at Celtic. You know, the defence have been a wee bit unsettled. You know, the, the, the back four need to get used to working together. You know, you've got Ralston, CCV, Naroki and Taylor. Generally, if a defender makes a mistake, it's going to end up in a goal, isn't it? You, you know, or more often than not. So I guess when you trace back goals, you'll find the defenders at fault. Uh, he definitely needs competition there. Can he adapt to, to playing well for Rodgers? Well, you know, Steve Clark, the manager that gives people a lot of information, he done real well under him. And he's a manager that gives the players a lot of information, he done well under him. Playing different style of fullback there, you know, and he's got to learn to play the way Rodgers wants him to play now. But he was able to do it for Steve Clark and he's been able to do it for Ange. So I'm no doubt that they can adapt. But for me, the question isn't, you know, can they can adapt? Because I think he will. It's what are we going to do? Who are we going to bring in to challenge him? Is it going to be somebody like AJ? Can we find somebody for that kind of money, that kind of quality? It's a position that, that, that we need to sort out. We spent a lot of money in Bernabe. You know, was it 4.3 or something? Over 4 million? That's a lot of money for Celtic to, to spend on, on any player. So that's not what Scales was brought in. He wasn't the answer. So, you know, hopefully it's not time lucky getting in. Uh, a left back, but it's something we need to sort out. He needs proper competition for the jersey, and I don't think Bernabe's it or skills. No, I, I would uh, I would agree with that. I do think we still need to bring in a left back. I'm expecting quite a lot of business to be done uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, Magnet67, you are getting involved, and here we go with your comment. Let me just find you. Personal Jesus jumped above you there. Magnet 67 afternoon. Not commenting for a while, but always watching like retrospectively. Thank you for that. We are in good hands, I believe. They, however, are not. 
hedged their bets on a rookie backfiring big time. This is the thing, right? I, I don't want to labour the fact, but let's talk about uh, the fact that Celtic have just uh, gone about their business, James, and others have obviously been making a bit of a racket, as they do. Um, but it's all, the proof is in the pudding. You know, match day one is over. Celtic have maximum points. Um, Hibs, Aberdeen and Rangers don't. And that's what it comes down to. And I was saying yesterday on my Wonder Around Paradise that these clubs, if you take Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen and Rangers, I would be absolutely amazed if all four of those clubs have the same managers in place at the end of the season. There's going to be a couple of um, managers lose their job. Lee Johnson at Hibs, I mean, I'm biz- I think a bizarre scenario that he's still there. I mean, the amount of players, the backing that he's got, nothing seems to be happening for that for that side. And that's a, that's a team, obviously, that beat us at the end of last season. But in relation to that, you know, it's all about just keeping our own house in order and we'll be absolutely fine whilst uh, others make a, a song and dance about it. Um, but you, you go up against a team like Kilmarnock with an old wily gaffer like McInnes uh, and he gets a result like that. That's going to happen throughout the season. Uh, but how pivotal is it on day one for you? Is it something I know it happened to us in Angie's first season? We were able to come back from that. But I don't, I don't think they've got the same level of manager that we had in Ange Postecoglou. Yeah, it's usually the season starts to become a chase for one of the sort of two title chasers after the first derby of the season. That's usually where one team dips off, one team goes ahead, and then the chase begins. But we're in the lucky position where we have a three-point gap already after one game. And the pressure is now on Rangers, as well as having the pressure to try and qualify for the Champions League, which will be a massive bit of pressure, not just for the fan base, but for the financial boost that comes with it but yeah, not just the pressure of the Champions League but the pressure of now having to chase after Celtic which will cause a bit of discontent amongst the fan base a bit agitated because they've, they've had their big rebuild and they'll, they'll be they'll be harking back to the fact that Celtic had a big rebuild under Ange Postecoglou where he overhauled the entire squad and despite the fact they did have a tough start lost three of the first six games he won the league and he won the League Cup in his first season and he got Celtic back into the Champions League. It was immediate success in the rebuild. So I think they'll, they'll be hoping for a bit of expectation across the city that they could do something of the same. And losing the first game of the season, it's not the best way to go about it. And if they don't get Champions League football, then I think you'll see the discontent start to grow. But Ange Postecoglou mentioned um, he doesn't. he focuses on his house that he's building. He doesn't look... Over, over the wall at what they're doing in the other garden it's all about his team and I'm sure Brendan Rodgers will be very much the same he's managed Celtic before so he, when Rangers first got promoted to the league so he knows all about the pressures and having to just focus on his own team and I know about that from managing the Premier League as well it's all about focusing on your own house and trying to build that up so I'm sure Rodgers will be he'll be tunnel vision because he knows he's got Champions League to prepare for he's got a group stage to prepare for and he's got to mould the team of his ilk to get ready for this new season. So I think Brendan Rodgers, it'll all be tunnel vision from him. Yeah, well, and it also brings into the uh, into the discussion, Liam, Aberdeen, who we're going to be facing at the weekend. I'm not saying they're challengers as such, but they are one of the teams that's going to be at the top end of the, the league. I was very impressed last season with Barry Robson's introduction to full-time management. Um, he's got a decent record, actually, over the piece at Aberdeen, 53% win rate. Um, he's brought in eight players in the pre-season. He's obviously been chasing Liam Scales as well, but he got off to a nothing-each-away draw against Livingston. Unspectacular. However, I don't think that we, we can rest on the laurels here. It's going to still be a tricky tie at Pataudry. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've dropped points at Livingston quite a lot in recent years as well. We, we know that because of the pitch and because of the very sort of uh, organised and d- determined way Livingston play, that they are a hard team to break down. So I wouldn't read too much into that one result for Aberdeen. But it is interesting to contrast um, the coverage that Rangers manager gets in the media compared to the coverage Barry Robson's got. Um Whereas I know who I would rather have in my dugout right now. Um, you know, the, the the again, no shooting his mouth off, just quietly going in there, getting the job done, getting some players in. And yes, Aberdeen, I'll say it now, I think they will get third place this season. They are the next big team outside of the, shall we say, the two that you traditionally expect to be winning the title. Um, I think Aberdeen are the third force at the moment. And who knows, they might even be the second, the way things are going. Um, but uh, it's interesting to note that um, I, uh, on a personal note, I made, I made my coaching debut last week, filling in for the, the coach of our, uh, our school's under-15s, under who was on holiday. And we won 12-0. So technically, one game in the season, I have a better record than the Rangers manager. I'm just <laughs> you playing with inverted fullbacks, Liam? <laughs> No, I just, uh, I just, I just told, I just told the goalie. I said, I don't care if you block it with your hands, your feet, your arse. Just don't let it go in the net. And he didn't. Good tactics. Yeah, that was all. It worked. Um, the officials have been announced for the, the game against Aberdeen. Uh, Kevin Clancy will be assisted by David McGeeky and Callum Spence. Fourth official, Graham Granger with the VAR, being looked after um, by Andrew Dallas, uh, assisted by Andrew McWilliam. So there you go. That's the officials. Uh, we're going into that game, Lawrence. I think a lot of Celtic fans are pretty fond of Barry Robson from his time at Celtic, of course, but... Um, looking at him last season, even if we didn't have that connection to him, he was very likeable. Just the way he went about his business, quite modest. You know, he was honest when he was getting interviewed. And that was a, a club last season that looked like a bit of a basket case. He seemed to just kind of like steady the ship a bit. And in this season, I think he'll try and put his mark on it. As I said before, he's still, I reckon, looking to, to take Liam's skills up there. Maybe that's a deal that will happen after this weekend's game. I'm going to ask you, though, um, I know there's been a few suggestions in relation to what might change. What do you think, if anything, will change in terms of Brennan Rodgers' starting lineup, Lawrence? I, I think he'll leave it alone. Honestly, I think he'll just go out. You know, it's about three points. Ross County were in at first half, but said you know they played in the League Cup. I, I think he'll say that the team. You know, you've got three points. Just go out and do the same again. Bring back three points. That's all it's about just now. Get to the, the new Glasgow derby, you know, remain ahead in the league after that. that that's got to be kind of so short term from Brendan just now. Get that defence settled. The Rock, the Rocky, Carter Vickers, Ralston, Taylor. You know, make sure they don't lose as many goals this time. But yeah, I, I don't think Brendan has to change too much on the performance. He just needs to up, up, up the, the levels a wee bit, you know. Weren't really at it the first kind of 20 minutes, but it was a better, better second half from us. Uh, Barry, yeah, as you touched on, really honest, he's come in, he's steadied Aberdeen, he, and they're a totally different proposition under him. Uh, the other team's lo- lo- losing, you know. It, it happens, I suppose, that is generally how we, how we get ahead, isn't it? Uh, although Brendan was reminded by the, the mainstream media that he's worked with uh, the inventor of Beal Ball at both Chelsea and Liverpool 
and uh, Brendan did point out, yeah, he did, uh, and he believes he was good with the youths then. <laughs> you know, it's kind of... He made a good uh, brew, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of... It's crazy to think that they've been all out in Bilbao, but, yeah, they've not made very many good business decisions. Uh, but it's really just looking after what we've got to do, isn't it? Just making sure we get the three points, get the transfer window. I'm sure we'll have a different squad at the end of it than we've got now. We've got that no, money to spend, but it doesn't mean you've got to go crazy with it. You've got to bring in the right people. We've still got a few people that need moved out, haven't we? It's just picking up the three points, you know? Absolutely. Um, no tweaks by Lawrence then, James. Do you still see maybe a, a, a change at left back? Because I think the only way we're going to get a sense of, um, uh, you know, a flow to that that side and understanding, because obviously we've just introduced Novroski in there and it's going to be more of a permanent um, fixture in the defence now that Starfield's away, is by playing games together, you know. So I, I think I'd be really surprised an hour before kickoff, when the team line comes out, if Joe Hart was dropped or the left back was dropped, even though I don't think they had great games against Ross County, and it's all about just trying to get that understanding at the back. Hatati's the one for me. You know, I just think that he's such a quality player that you know he might he might start him, he might start him, but then it's all about who does he drop because you know you're not dropping your captain, O'Reilly and, and uh, Turnbull obviously played really well at the weekend, got in amongst the goals. Um, but Hattatia, how long do you keep him on the bench? You know, he didn't have a great pre-season, James, but he is a quality player, we know that. And, you know, and I think that in terms of his value, he's probably one of the most valuable assets we have should an offer come in. So what about yourself? Are you going to stick to that? Bernabe might be a shock inclusion, or are you going to agree with Lawrence and say, you know what, we're going to stick to the starting 11 we played at the weekend? Well, I was just thinking through the squad there when you were asking me the question. I was thinking through the midfield because Hattati is probably the obvious option, but you don't drop David Turnbull after that performance. Matt O'Reilly was probably our best player in pre-season and then he stood up and was probably the second best player. If you had a runner-up for a man of the match, it would probably be the Matt O'Reilly from that game. I thought if David Turnbull didn't get the two goals, it probably would have been Matt O'Reilly. I thought he was phenomenal. And then you don't drop the captain. So I don't think Hattati comes back. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was there, but... If, if I was picking the team, I don't think he would be there. On the, on the Bernabe shout, I think if you're going to bring him in and give him a chance, I don't think you do it away to Aberdeen at Pataudry. I think that's too big a game to take a risk because the chances to slip up are pretty big. If, if, Celtic, if you think of the toughest games that you could have in a league season, it would be Ibrox away and then Pataudry away. Those are the two banana appeals and you wouldn't pick Alexander Bernabe to play in a high pressure situation you'd give him a chance if you had a like a Ross County at home as we had last week for example so I'd probably just keep the team the same I'd be in the same boat as Lawrence mm -hmm. I just think that you know if, if the opposition manager saw a lineup uh, with Bernabe in it he'd be the target you know, you target that that side of the park. You absolutely would. Have you seen the lineup and Hatati was in it? You'd maybe also say, well, you know, let, let's target um, the pockets of space that that he leaves. But again, I don't think Turnbull's massively um, successful in terms of the defensive side of the game either. So yeah, it's going to, as always, you know, it's going to be an intriguing decision by Brennan Rogers. But also, it's going to be difficult to get a ticket, and we've seen on the WhatsApp groups. And uh, the amount of people that are struggling for tickets. Liam, you've got a thing or two to say about how tickets are dealt with when it comes to playing games games of football for Celtic. Well, yeah, I think that um, 
the uh, obviously I can't really speak directly to the, the problems with away tickets because last time I was at an away game watching Celtic in, in a competitive sense was uh, was quite some years ago. But um, I think it's symptomatic of the same issue they had when they came to Japan. There is a certain arrogance, a certain complacency when it comes to marketing that people will just take whatever they're given. Um, the shoddy way that on a, on a, our fellow contributors are, are saying they've been treated in terms of lack of notification, lack of consistent um, allocation, um, lack of, uh, well, just basic lack of respect, really, considering they are money-paying customers, first and foremost. Um, I said before, the, the biggest problem with Celtic when they, when they toured Japan was that they thought they could treat people here as fans as opposed to customers. And no, for the time being, they are customers. If you win them over, they become fans. But um, as the as both attendances showed, where both stadiums were only about a third full, I think it speaks to the fact that uh, no, you can't just charge a hundred quid a ticket for a team that you know people who do not follow football intently are not really going to be that aware of in Japan. Um, so I think there is that kind of arrogance and complacency, and you are a fan rather than a customer. The first lesson of marketing you know they say well the customer's always right i don't necessarily agree with that but i do believe that the customer should always be have priority and that's not how celtic are approaching things when it comes to ticketing when it comes to shirt sales when it comes to various commercial aspects of the club they take fans for granted because they know how loyal we are they know how much we will just cough up 70 80 quid for a shirt because we've got to have it because we are fans um, and you know that's that's on one hand it is as a fan base it is one of our strongest suits is our our dedication to the club but from a commercial sense it's also one of our most easily exploited weaknesses yeah and sadly yeah. some of the things that Celtic do in terms of tickets and in terms of other things I think it does border on exploitation well Talking of jerseys, actually, uh, what is that you're wearing there, Liam? What oh, jersey are you wearing there? This is the uh, the Japan Ladies World Cup jersey. Um, the uh, Nadeshko, as they're, called, as they're called over here, got to the quarterfinals. They'll be playing Sweden on Friday. And uh, I'll just say it now, whoever wins that match, I think will probably win the tournament. So here's hoping that they can get revenge for uh, their Olympic loss to the Swedes a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, I've just noticed that I'm the only one on the show today not wearing a football jersey. We've already spoken about Lawrence's St. Rock's top, the candy, as they get called. And um, you yourself, James, you're wearing one of the blacked-out Germany kits. But yeah, I just said to you before... Euro 20, Euro 2020 yeah, blackout top. I do like the blackout tops. I, I've often s- suggested Celtic should do one. But talking of Adidas... and Oh, that's right. Um, the, but yeah, you're right. We've just told uh, everybody, if you didn't already know, who the officials were for the game on Sunday as well. Queen's Park's jersey that they were wearing at the weekend. I'm not sure if you've seen that, guys, right? But it's an Adidas effort, and it's a throwback to the old Netherlands Euro 88 jersey with the chevrons on it. So they still do it, 
Uh, honestly, if you've seen that in green, it would work for Celtic. But moving on, O'Reilly's comments. Um, you've already mentioned it um, in relation to him having a wee dig at Ange. Obviously, I don't think it was a thinly veiled dig, Lawrence. You said a couple of things over the over the piece has O'Reilly, but I want to concentrate on him as a as a player. And you know, since he came into Celtic, he's one of the guys, along with I felt Hatati, who has constantly progressed and developed as a player to the point where you're not quite sure what the ceiling, ceilings are, but you think to yourself, you know, these are guys that have got immense talent. Uh, the sky's the limit with them. If they're managed properly, if they develop in the way that you want them to develop. And I think that, you know, yes, it's only one game in, but I, I was really impressed, like James said earlier, in O'Reilly's performance at the weekend, all season Last time round, we're banging on about the fact that what he needs to bring to uh, his game is goals. He gets one on the, on the first game of the season. Um, is he just going to take it to another level under Brendan Rodgers? Is he going to be one of the guys like Abada that Rodgers can really transform into a top, top class player? Listen, I don't know if he's consistently been there. I thought the last three or four months of last season, he wasn't as good as we've seen him before. You know, he came in with like, who's this guy? You know, the Did he look tired to you? Did he look tired to you once? He looked a wee bit off it, but, you know, Abada's form of that too, and obviously Brendan's convinced Abada to stay. Matt's had a couple of wee digs at Ange. <laughs> you know, maybe it wasn't as happy a camp as, as, as we thought it was, you know. Uh, but, yeah, if anyone can develop players as Brendan Rodgers, you know, he's got a track record of it. He's done it. Done up for us before. You know, he, he reigns got the biggest fee we could for Kieran Tierney when he was here. So, you know, that's probably a, a target Brendan will be setting himself to develop players to increase that fee. Because I've no doubt he sets himself targets and everything. And he'll be thinking, well, if we could, could develop players in Scotland down 25 million a few years back, what should I be able to develop them at, to now? And yeah, Matt O'Reilly's definitely the, the potential. Yeah. He plays the attacking role great. When he had to fill in for Callum, you know, he was equally adept. He's got a goal at the weekend. He looks back to his best under Brendan. Uh, let's hope that, you know, he progresses under Brendan. There was noises about him moving. They seem to have died down now as well. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't seem to be as much in the press. So maybe he's going to be happier under Brendan and maybe it's Brendan sat him down and given him a, a career plan and said, look, give me a couple of years. You know, this is where I can get your move to, or you know, this is a level I can take your career to. I've done it. With I thought, years. yeah, no, you're right. But I do think he's got a track record of it, Lawrence, no doubt about it. But I did think that uh, coming to the end of the, the season, I, I, I think he's he seemed to dip in terms of his energy levels rather than anything else. And I was wondering if the regime suited him because I'm now obviously adding that up to the evidence of some of the, the things that he said. Was the regime under Ange in terms of that high-tempo training, never mind the games, Lawrence, the, the, the high-tempo training, was that suiting a player like O'Reilly? Was it suiting a player like David Turnbull? Was that why he didn't get much game time? And you start to, to add all that up after the event, don't you? Something can be motivation, you know, if he's not happy. He seems happier with Brendan, doesn't he, you know? Some of the comments he's made, it seems happier with Brendan's a manager or aspects of Brendan's management, he's definitely happier. If he's not happier, he can drop his motivation a wee bit. That can affect his energy in the park. But, yeah. Who knows, you know, it's a bit of speculation, isn't it? Uh, with David Turnbull, for me, he's never consistently done it and he's not done it against the bigger teams. You could be arguing with, after the weekend's performance, he should have had a hat-trick and he's won a money with the keeper. 
Bit of a great goal, great build up played to it. But you know, he's put away a penalty, he's scored. He's probably going to hope, hang on to the jersey against Aberdeen. And it would suit us if Brendan could develop him. We need, you know, we've got a European quota, I've got to keep an eye on that. He counts as a homegrown player. But yeah, it's a wee bit of speculation for us, but I don't think Mark was happy in it. And towards the end of the season, whether he was tired or his motivation was just down a wee bit, there was rumours that he was going to be moving. So hopefully uh, those rumours uh, disappear altogether and, and Brendan takes them to a new level. Yeah, I think he could do. Uh, a few more comments coming in. Personal Jesus, Abada, not good enough to be Jota's replacement. Still waiting a diverse winger. Well, I'm going to disagree with that. I think that uh, Abada will become the the replacement as such. Now, I've said this before, we can't replace a £25 million Jota with like for like. Uh, Jota, two seasons ago, was a Benfica reserve player who developed over the two seasons and became the player that we sold. Abada has had the two years already working at Celtic. I think he's at that stage. He might never become as effective as what Jota was, but he is the guy for me that's going to replace him, certainly in the starting Abada, lineup. Abada's goals and assists for his minutes on the park, amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah. He, he's a different type of player. You know, he's not going to beat the guys with trickery. It's going to be pace and movement he's going to beat them with. You know, and anticipation as well, Lawrence. He's got that uncanny ability to ghost at the back post, and you know that anticipation. He's, he's very aware. Is about sometimes puts uh, creation statues on the back post. He's going to take advantage of it, isn't he? He'll just yeah, get them and and say thanks very much. But yeah, he's reading the game's brilliant. Yeah, I think he's definitely a player that Brendan will, will do wonders for. Can I just add to this on Abada? If you're thinking, if you're talking about Abada potentially replacing Jota, if you look at it this way, if Abada was playing and developing like how he has at Celtic with the numbers and the assists at another club, say he was doing this for, I'll say, Ferenc Varos, for example, and Celtic are linked Mm -hmm. with him, the fans would be absolutely buzzing that we're signing this player who scores all all these goals at this age, who's playing for the Israel national team, it would be fans would be held in it as a brilliant signing, but we've already got You're him right. here, and he's already happy at the club. So if you can have him here and help him push on, then I think he's good enough to be a, a, a really top player for Celtic. I just want to touch on the point on Matt O'Reilly as well. I, it is just speculation from us, but I hope it's not a pop shot at the manager because Ange, I thought he'd left on good terms, and and he hasn't really had a bad word to say about the club. So I, I don't know how big a fan I am of Matt O'Reilly taking sort of apparent shots at the manager. I just never had anything bad to say about the club. That's a good point. And, and as is the one with Abada, I think you're spot on. If we were chasing Leal Abada right now and there was a big massive transfer, we would all be excited about it. And, you know, there would be no doubt he's a replacement for Jota. He's in the building. He's doing the business. He knows the club really well. And I just I just think, you know, marry that up with what Lawrence is talking about in terms of Brendan taking a player under his wing, making it, making him, you know, happy and comfortable and, and he can develop and, and progress under uh, his watchful eye at Celtic. And then perhaps in a year or so, he might get that big money move. I think Abad is the man as the replacement. Now, I'm going to mention there are, or there were, three tickets. Three tickets for Charlie Mulgrew and Aidan McGeady. It's in about two and a half weeks' time. 
The link is underneath the video. It's going to be a, an absolutely brilliant night. And we just started a, an initiative last week called Sell the Jerseys, where we're asking Celtic supporters to give us your old tops and we'll get them all signed up by the ex-players we come into contact with. We'll get them framed up and uh, we will auction them off or raffle them off for we, Jamie Tierney, and already we've got 50 jerseys. And that's not counting the ones that are already in the studio. 50 jerseys have been pledged to this initiative, which is fantastic. You can DM us. You can email me at pauljohndykes at gmail.com. Come and visit the studio in Dalkeith. Meet us up at Celtic Park on a Monday morning. Give us your jerseys and we will do the rest to raise some much-needed finance. Um, over a 1,000 strong this Tuesday afternoon. Thank you, every single one of you, for getting involved. If you want to make a comment, to agree, to disagree, or just join the chat um, as we're going live, then subscribe to the channel on YouTube. All that's left for me to say is James McKenzie, Lawrence Connolly, and Liam Carrigan. Thank you for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.